Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's in with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. Thursday to you. How are you? Have you had a good week? If you're in the UK, I know it's dropped, it's getting cold. Get your scarf on, turn that central heating on. I'm freezing, but we're going to warm things up. It's episode 21. I'm very, very happy to say it's Lorna Nixon Brown. Um, we've been trying to get her on for a while. As with all our guests, clashes of dates come up all the time, but I'm chuffed that we made it work. And She's an absolute soul. I love Lorna to bits. I know you're going to really enjoy this episode. Um, she is very, very honest. Uh, things get a bit emotional in a good way. Um, I don't want to tell you too much. I'm going to keep this intro short. But I hope you enjoy the episode and I will see you at the end. One more thing I've got to tell you. Christmas is coming. Myself and producer Griff want to compile... A best of episode, right? So we've got up to now, we've got 21 episodes. This is episode 21. What's your favorite episode? Right? You must have a favorite episode. I know people love them all. I love them all. Go back through, have a little listen to the episode, and pick out a little bit for me. Tweet me, Facebook, email. Let me know what the episode is and look at the time that this little bit that you really like on the episode is. Take a note of it, send us it in, we will include it. Put your name in, maybe you want to say why it's your favourite bit, yeah? And we'll give you a big shout out on the best of, the best of the first year of the Two Shot Podcast. It's going to come out, we're going to put it out Christmas, or we're going to put it out New Year, depending on what goes on, because it's all very busy this time of year. I know you're busy, but if you could just do us that little favour, we don't ask that much, apart from patreon.com forward slash two shot pod just thought I'd get that in there I'm not gonna you know about that if you want to throw us a couple of quid you can but I know you've got presents to buy for poor producer Griff needs some new socks that's what I'm buying him for Christmas anyway this is episode 21 with the quite lovely and brilliant Lorna Nixon Brown enjoy It's funny though, isn't it, about clothes and what they make you feel like. And mm. I find that about shoes. Sometimes, shoes, well, yeah. some, I've got these boots on at the moment. They've got like a slight, you know, uh, we don't brand stuff on the podcast, but these are uh, boots. So yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And I just feel connected. I do feel grounded sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes you need it. I don't really like wearing heels because I don't feel connected. To the earth. I know that sounds really weird. No, not at all. But sometimes, I remember a, 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 a acting tutor at drama school said to me once, "God, you're 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 kind of better when you're when you're barefoot." <laughs> <laughs> How crazy is that? But I, I think it was so much about perhaps it was that part as well. And, um, but it was a real like rootedness and a connection to the earth. Yeah. Um, and I always prefer like a you know 
I don't really like wearing heels. I look like an idiot as well when I wear heels. <laughs> <laughs> just you know judging I mean? yourself. Stop judging. No, yeah, maybe. Oh, we're always judging. We're every, but it's we what all you judge feel ourselves. good in as well. It's what you feel free in. Exactly. So, it doesn't you know, matter what yeah. anybody else thinks. If you feel good about it, you're going to walk into yeah. any room yeah, and exactly. feel a sense of power. Yeah, if you feel free, it doesn't matter what you wear, you feel great. What was fashion like growing up in Birmingham when oh you were growing God, up? Craig, I just wore whatever I wanted to wear. <laughs> and I was like a real geek because of it, because I wore like, I would just wear, I, I still love floral, <laughs> but I would wear, like, I wear less of it now, but like I would just wear long floral dresses and loads of my great grandma's old clothes. Because she'd like, would, in my, my family, they passed down a lot of clothes. Heavy vintage. Heavy vintage and like beautiful little kind of velvet hats and like long pearl earrings. And I just wanted, I just really expressed myself through my clothing when I was little. I didn't really, you know, I wasn't in with all the fashion at school. Never am now either. I just wear what I feel, like I said, feel free in. But, um, I remember at school, people thought, I think people thought I was a bit crazy because I wore, just what I, you know, whatever I wanted. So you're marking yourself out to be an individual early on. I didn't even think of it like that, you know. Um, what do you think of it as? I kind of well, to be honest, it's what I had. A lot of the stuff was passed on f- from my sister. And so it was no really choice. Go- yeah, I couldn't really like just go and buy like every single like latest trend. You know what I mean? But if you had, would you have wanted to wear all that? Not really. I always looked at like old school classics as well. I liked, I loved, you know, like the kind of Audrey Hepburn classic, you know, um, clothing. And I just, I had all of these beautiful clothes from my great grandma that I still have now. <laughs> she was so tiny, like I'll never fit into it now, but I still keep them because they're literally, they're just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And what was. Growing up in... Ber- well, you were in the centre of Birmingham. Where, whereabouts did you we grow We were like, do you know the Cadbury factory? I know of it. I go past it on the train sometimes. Really close to there, but not in, like, Bourneville, which is, like, the Quaker village. Yeah, that's just a bit out. A I little remember. bit further yeah. away from there, in a place called Cuttridge, Kings Norton. Right. Um, and that's I know where, of Kings Norton, yeah. Yeah, that's where um, we grew up most of... Yeah, we spent most of our childhood. When you say we, who, who was there? So that's my, with my mum. My mum kind of brought us up. Um, and my older sister, and my how how old? What's the difference between you and your so sister age wise? Is three years older than me, and my little brother Joe. Um, so my family is massive. I've got a huge extended family. I'm from a kind of like a modern blended family, as it were. My dad's got another family. Um, my I've got a half sister Delia half brother Nico, but it doesn't mean anything to me like the heart do you know what I mean like, yeah it's just it's all connected I'm just trying to give you an idea of like Rose and Joe and myself we were like a very close kind of sorry knit. who's Rose and Joe my older sister right my okay. already I'm lost do you know what I mean like, me too <laughs> me too there's so many of us there's like my family is huge but at the same time we had a very intimate kind of close-knit, like my older sister and my younger brother, um, we grew up with my mum in Birmingham. So when did your mum and dad split up? Oh, God, um, when I was, like, six or something. I think I was in year two, so maybe yeah, a bit older. No, that, no, that's six. six. That's six, because my son's yeah. in year two now and he's six. Yeah, at so least six, six, six yeah, seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they split up when I was, yeah, in year two. 
and Dad, um, he moved to Paraguay. Um, he was around, like, um, most, you know, here and there, but he was mostly in Paraguay, where he was working. Right. And we travelled around quite a bit before Birmingham. Like, we lived in Kathmandu when I was younger. Did you? What was that like? Oh, my God. I can't remember, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone says, oh, wow, you lived, like, in, in the Himalayas. What was it like? And I have a real, like, yearning to go there. Do you know what I mean? Because I spent, like, three or four years of my life there. But I don't remember it. Do you have any... Do, do, does your... Obviously, your mum remembers. Does she mm, tell you anything about she Kathmandu? Does, she does. She wrote a novel about... She wrote a the novel? Himalaya, in the Himalayas, yeah. The Himalayan summer, she wrote a, a novel about it. And about her time there? Her, um, was it autobiographical? Or no, was... not at all. It's fiction, but um, for sure her experience of living there informed it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but she's very connected to South Asia. Um, and we're actually working on something together now, set in, not in the Himalayas, set in India. Um but my sister talks about Kathmandu with me. Does she, like, does she have fonder memories or, or certainly memories? Yeah, she'll remember. And sometimes I'll go, oh, you remember when that happened? But I don't know if it's my, rec- you know, my memory of something that she's given me, a memory that she's given me rather than my own memory. Right, OK, you yeah. see what I mean? Yeah, of course. Um, but I just think, you know, when I, when I go there, I think it might be quite an experience for me. Do you know what I mean? Somewhere that you were for the first, like, three or four years of your life. Yeah. And when I go to somewhere like Scotland, which is also, like, where a lot of my family come from... Whereabouts in Scotland? Right, right, Sutherland, right. right Oh, right, the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That landscape is kind of similar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of landscape. And I wonder... I'm very kind of spiritual like this, but I wonder if it's something like that kind of memory... Subconscious memory, yeah. this memory that of being in that place when I was so young and coming back to a similar kind of space because I always get this yearning to go to Scotland as well. Like when I, my a lot of my family get it, so but when we pass, <laughs> this sounds really crazy. Does it? <laughs> Don't when we, go on. When we get in, when we when we're in Scotland, we do feel like a kind of peace. I know, I get that. I understand. I, I find that I I really do. Like you're kind of in your your space. Is it because where you go in Scotland, you don't have other people around, or you have your own space? So you have. Mm, that's yeah, that's interesting. I don't I don't think it's so much about like isolation from other people, but rather like an intimacy with the people you're with. Do you know so what it's I about mean? the so people you go to a place with. Yeah, and I think it's it's time. It's slowed down. Do you understand? Like, for me, I love London right now. I'm loving being back here. But it's very frenetic. It's so fast And it's full-on cities, especially London cities. It it really doesn't stop. Yeah, and I love it. And for me right now, it's the right place to be. But sometimes I'm just... I long for more of an, uh, an intimacy here, like a kind of... Like a... It's just, like, a slowing down... You know well, like me? this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're in we're in the, yeah. the heart of Soho. But you can find it here. You just have to know where to find it. I was going to say that. You can. Yeah, you you can. really can. And I didn't know where to find it before, you see. When I was at Drama Centre, it was all mental. Like, we'd be in this kind of close-knit, like, group of people. We didn't leave each other at all. 
and then you'd be let loose into London. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it was all busy and like there were so many shows and I'd never really, I'd been here like on the odd weekend trip with Mum and Rose and Joe, but I didn't really know it and it was all like a big blur. And now when I'm here, I'm able to go, yeah, it's still like a big kind of fren- uh, frenetic kind of busy place, but I can kind of pinpoint like, you know. Yeah, and you can deal with it because mm. you know the map of London more now. That's it, yeah, you can really see here. it. You, you, you can And also you pinpoint the, the places you want to go, as in what, like what you said. You go, well, well, I need to go to that place and then I can cut across town here. I need to go west. That's and it. You make things easy for yourself. That's it. You kind of, if you, if you, if you, you slow down yourself, you can see it in, in more detail, I suppose, rather than a big blur. Which is what it can become. It could be, yeah, for sure. And I, even now, I have to leave sometimes. Like this summer, we went, to, <laughs> we went to the Highlands, believe it or not. You know, we went to Scotland. My mum, my grandma um, and my little brother who lives in Glasgow now, he then went over with us as well. And mum and I, were, we're working on something at the moment, so it was great for us to have that space anyway. But I realised just how much I needed to get away from yeah. it. Yeah. And then after, like, two weeks, I thought, oh, my God, I need to go back to London. <laughs> I know. It's funny because when... Not to turn this around on me, it's not my podcast, but when I moved from Blackpool to London when I was on the cusp of sort of 17, 18, and I'd never spent so much time in London, I was from a, you know, semi-sleepy seaside mm. town. I just devoured London. I loved the craziness. I just loved everything that was going yeah. off all the time. And then oh, when you. I moved out, I get the best of both worlds because you pop into London, you get your little fix, and then you go, mm. oh, I'm back to the sleepy countryside. Mm. But it's it's time and it's all relative about where you are yeah. within yourself. I Did think. you miss, like... No. No. I, what, miss London? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't because I get it. Yeah, I get my fix. Yeah. I'm lucky enough to be able to come in and generate work mm-hmm. in London, but, but I don't have that nine-to-five job, as a mm. lot of people do, where they have to be in London mm. because of doing what we do. I come in, I have my meetings, yeah, and then I can get on the train and get back to Gloucestershire. Yeah, yeah. So I, I get a fix it's also so much about finding like a community here that you feel a part of do you know what yeah, I mean like because yeah. I felt in Birmingham like we have a community like people take their time you engage yeah on a day-to-day basis and then here I never really found that like that's part of how frenetic it was but also I was at drama school do you know what I mean like we didn't I didn't give people the time probably but um, nor would you because at the at that time you were just so focused yeah. on uh, feeding information yeah. and your skills for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, I'm in uh, South East London near Peckham, New Crossgate, and there's totally a community there. Yeah. You know, I've got my Columbia Mall around the corner and I've got loads of friends practising my Spanish over there and I run a drama group at um, Somerville um, like Community Centre, which is just down the road from me. And I feel part of that community. Do you know what I mean? But you have to work at it, I think. You can't yeah. just... It's like with anything, you've got to work. You can't just expect 
things yeah. to, to land on your lap. Yeah, it's true. Just yeah. going back to when we're growing up in Birmingham, I'm just gonna. Oh my god, that I'm just gonna pour like you some tea. tea. Looks nice. It is nice. Let's pour this tea. I've got a green tea. Should have had a green tea. <laughs> no, this will be right. How was um, school life growing up in Birmingham? Um, Help yourself to milk well, and sugar. Um, oh my god, I just moved the mic. Is Don't worry, right? it's fine. We can, um, cut, we can cut that bit out. All right. Uh, school life. I went to a Catholic primary school in Birmingham, which I really liked. Actually, I'm not a Catholic, um, but it was it was really close to where we lived. Yeah. And I actually really had a good time there. Um, I, I really I did feel an outsider there. Why? Because I was the only non-Catholic. So when we had confirmation at school, well, I didn't have confirmation. Do you know, like you have, you get confirmed yeah. and. Um, was that was that that you felt like that, or you you were made to feel like that? It's hard do you think? to say. I think the majority of the staff made me feel a part of the place. Yeah, but there were certainly a couple. Um, well, it only takes one bad apple yes, to make you yeah. feel like that, I suppose. Yeah, to make you feel different. I know yeah. that I when we when the rest of the class were confirmed, they all wore white dresses, and I think Mum was. I think I was told perhaps to wear different something different. But Mum dressed me in a beautiful um Told to wear dress. something different by who? One of the think, teachers, maybe? Yeah, I think so. She dressed me in a beautiful... Um, well, I couldn't have one of the confirmation dresses. Yeah. Because I wasn't really being confirmed. So I wore this beautiful black dress with little roses on it, and I loved it. I think it was great. <laughs> but um, I th- when I saw it, I loved it, and, you know, I was very happy with it. And Mum, you know, she made sure that I was happy with it. And then... Actually, when we were in the church and everyone was getting confirmed and getting their like, confirmation names and everything, um, I was sa- I was Saint Rose of Lima, <laughs> 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 which is great, um, but not really. I wasn't really Saint Rose of Lima. Um, I uh, I just felt like what a fraud. Do you know what I mean? I remember feeling really like what a fraud because I was you know I wasn't a part of it. And yeah. but generally, that's being quite. You know, that, that's, it's hard, you know, it's so hard because actually the majority of the staff there were, were very good to me and it was, a, it was a kind of like a safe space for me at school um, when I think perhaps things weren't always so uh, structured. Do you know what I mean? Like, there was structured always within the school or structured within your personal life? Perhaps, yeah. Well, sorry, which one? Perhaps, perhaps outside of school, outside you know, of school. because of my parents splitting up which certainly was for the best, but it was inevitably, you know, if you go to a school and you've got that structure and you kind of feel like this is this is a safe space, then that's important at that time. So I thank that school for that. Um, and then I went to a school really close by uh, called Kings Norton Girls School. This is secondary school. Yeah. yeah. Which I hated. Why? I hated that school. Um, because... I felt like I was very badly bullied at that school. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I just didn't feel like I could be myself there, and that I was accepted. It comes, you know, when I into, the, you know, I was saying that I, I wore what I wanted to wear, and I didn't yeah. follow. Like I didn't, I didn't listen to like music, and uh, you know, I'd be listening to like Eva Cassidy and Joni Mitchell and Al Green and Otis Redding, like all of my my music. When everyone else like, but have you know, like you had to conform. Yeah. 
you know, it's just school. It's like school, you know, it's kind of... And also you expected. get into a certain age, puberty but, comes into place. Yeah. And, you know, nastiness It was an all-girls school. Um, oh, it was an all-girls school. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, and, um, you know, actually two of my closest friends now went to that school, Chloe and Penny, and they're like two amazing women that I love very much. So something good's come out of it. Of course. Um, and they're like lasting friendships, but... I was just too busy in my own world, you know, Craig. Like, I would, um, I'd be in my head, you know, I'd be in my imagination. I spent a lot of time on my own, you know, going to the, you know, going off to my drama groups. Couldn't wait to get out of school, go and act. Was this outside, uh, extracurricular? Outside, yeah. So was, that, was that Birmingham Rep? Oh, it was you, Birmingham Rep. Young Rep. Well, it was another, it was like Birmingham S- School of Acting before the Rep. So it wasn't in conjunction with the school? Not at all, no. Was there any drama at the school? There was, but it was, like, terrifying for me. Why? Because it was full of... It was full of um, girls who... I think that they did it because they kind of felt like it was... Status. Yeah, I don't know if it's status, more like they could piss about in this class. Oh, right, so so it would be a piss take? Yeah, like... Like, the you know, this idea that actors are super loud and the most, you know, the louder you are and the more confident you are, the better actor you are. Yeah. This very, you know... So they maybe saw it as an easy option. For sure, yeah, easy option. And it was kind of like... I did do the drama class, but... Because I was very, very shy, you see. Um, Naturally, I'm very, very shy. And I... uh, I always felt like, oh, my God, like the quietest one in the group. But then even then when we did act, I I loved it, even in that space. And actually the girls were like, oh, you know, this is, you know, they did, you know, respond to that. But um, it wasn't the same as, as drama outside of it. You know? So how did you discover the route for drama outside? Who helped you there? Was that something to do with your mum or was it, it something was, you yeah. seeked out? So mum, I think because I was very shy, you know, um, it was more a, a case of, oh, let's go to, you know, she do acting classes so she can learn to, like, find a voice, you know, rather than it being a profession, it's more of a... Something to, a tool to sort of express yourself a yes, bit more. Yes, yes. Yeah, which, like, happen, which happens loads, doesn't it, with yeah. kids nowadays, too, even if they don't want to follow it. Just to open them up it's a little so bit and give them impressive. confidence. I think it's fantastic. It's wonderful. It's like what you know what what I'm doing with this um, drama group in um, in Newcross Gate. Most of the kids, maybe they won't go on to be amazing actors. I think a couple of them are bloody brilliant. Yeah. But um, it's more that they're actually like they're finding their voice, you know, and that they they kind of find a um, an an empowerment through a character. They find a sense of themselves through an, a character and that it's acceptable. So, that is so important, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because when you're kind of so... Um, they feel like they have to be a certain way or they're not going to be accepted into their friendship groups and whatever, there's no way of really being themselves. But then this drama group says all of those rules, they don't apply. Yeah. This In this space, you can be however you want to be. You can be, you can be yourself in this space. You know, one of the the girls in the class, um, she she said to the the guy who runs the the place, and he said to me, they, she said, I just love it because it's a class in imagination. 
Wow. You know? Yeah. And I was like, that's it. Well, that is what it is. That's it, imagination, and you can be free there. So, um... And no one's judging. On. No one's no judging one's you. No one's judging. You're accepted. And there's no... Yeah. There's no right, there's no wrong, it's all right. It's yeah. fine, just be free, be open. Be free. And, and, and we've said, I've said this loads, you know, and I'm sure you know anyway, but, you know, the great thing about children is when they're acting and when they're improvising, whatever, mm-hmm. they don't judge, they don't judge themselves. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're completely open and free. There's no self, like this hyper self-awareness, yeah. you know, which is actually the enemy of your creativity and mm. it's so destructive. yeah. There's none of that. It's like, let go and be free. Yeah. And it's happiness, really. Oh, it's what we're all striving for. Yeah. We're <laughs> trying oh to claw God. it back. <laughs> 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 so, no, did, it's... You, did you find that um, that you had that uh, freedom at the Birmingham Rep mm. when you were there? That's really good, too. Um, I did, yeah. I, I found, like, for the, I found for the first time um, a real freedom. It was a, a massive, um, like, an awakening for me, you know? Like, I would literally want to run to those classes. <laughs> we had a brilliant youth theatre director and all of the people, they were a little bit older than me, and I'd seen them in other shows and I just was so amazed by them and, like, inspired by them. Um, and you could be, like, you could really go for it in those classes, whereas if you can't, if you kind of went for it and let loose at school, you'd be like, what a freak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, judgment. Yeah. There was no judgment in that space. Because you're all in the same boat. You're in the same boat. Everyone's kind of fairly similar. Like, you go there. It was a kind of... I felt like for a lot of those kids there as well, it was like an... It was, for me, an escapism. And did you feel that it was a safe place? Yes. To run to because of... don't want to delve into it too much, but yeah. the bullying at school, yes, did you feel yeah. that, oh, I can go there and I can be myself yeah. and I can not be judged and totally. I can express myself? And I had so many friends, I still do, from that place. Like, I had friends there, like, proper friends, you know. Um, How and, did... Sorry, no, go on. Yeah, yeah. And, and just, like, the, the kind of... The text they introduced us to, like... I remember the first play I did there was Brex, The Resistible Rise of Arturo Ui. And I played um, a male part, I played Roma. How old were you then? About 16 or something. Right, okay. Still at 16. Yeah. No, 15 or 16, probably. Um, And then the next part I played was Antigone in Antigone, and we did it on silks. That was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Because I got stuck on the silk. I got stuck on the silk in one of the shows. And um, it was a bit of a nightmare because the guy playing Creon... Um, Adam, who's is like still a like a dear friend of mine, he um, he was having to improvise this scene to try and get me down off this silk. Because <laughs> I was, st- you know, you know, like aerial silk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I made this lock, and it taken me bloody months to learn how to do it. But I for, really for anybody, strong. sorry, for anybody listening who doesn't know what silks is, could yeah. you sort of explain a little bit about it's, it? So it's like an aerial. Um, it's like, a, you probably, you know, remember that advert with the BBC advert? Everyone remembers that. Oh, the eye tumble, dance. Yes, yes. They tumble down the silks and they look so graceful and elegant. It's kind of beautiful. Yeah. So they, they would start off at the top. Yeah. And they would just yes. flip themselves Effortlessly down on, seemed, a, on, a, a on, a, on a piece of silk. On a piece of silk. Yeah. So I 
can't do it like that. <laughs> but I um, I learned how to climb it anyway, and I wow. got super strong. Um, and you have to make a lock to hold yourself on the silk. And when you're, you know, you're right at the top, you can do all these cool tricks on the silk, like hanging through it, sitting in it, making in a little cocoon. And, and the play really was cool. all on that. Well, Antigone, m- m- most of the time, when she kind of, when she had, her main speeches were on this silk. God. You know, it was beautifully, like a beautiful concept. And for me, like the challenge of learning to climb this silk, which seems so impossible when I first started out, kind of was part of the journey with this character you know she is so determined this this yeah. character you know um anyway so i got stuck on this so <laughs> in one of the shows and i could see the youth theater director tim just like in the <laughs> in the in the store just like about to like jump up onto the stage like because of health and safety and stuff like really stressing out but i got out of the silk in the end and we had this amazing improv <laughs> <laughs> but that was like a that was a very special show for me. You know, I found a real strength in myself through yeah. that part. And I was like, actually, actually, I want to kind of carry on doing this, really. Was that where you thought, oh, yeah, I think I need to start seriously thinking about training in this? Yeah, well, was I, that a moment? I, I didn't know what training was. I didn't really know about any, I didn't know drama schools existed. Well, who, who was the one that... The youth theatre director. At right. The, 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 and actually the whole building, and they're very supportive of all of, all of us uh, at the Birmingham at the Birmingham Rep. And because um, I was just going to go to uni, my family are like academics mostly. Yeah. That was the that was the like, obvious choice. I was very academic as well at school, got all my grades to do English, you know. And then he was like, oh, why don't you audition for these schools? So I did. Where, where did where did he tell you to audition? To, uh, I went. I auditioned for Drama Centre where I, where I went to um, to Raja, um, where where I got to the last round, um, and East Fifteen. Where I got in there. Royal Royal Scottish same. Where else? There was one more, but I couldn't do all of them because it's so it was so expensive. It still is. It's still if, is. It, well, if not more. But do you know about this scheme that my friend David is? I do, started? I do know about it. And funnily enough, uh, we door. we are uh, recording a podcast with him in March oh my God. of 2018. I'm happy, with, I'm happy about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm a big, I'm a big, big supporter mm. of of David and what Open Door do. Uh, I've been behind him since day one. Yeah. He, he knows that. We, in fact, uh, we we were in touch last last night oh, in the kitchen. Yeah, we we we've arranged um, to go down and uh, and do some talks in March of next year. That's and I, and I've said to him because there's plans to take it nationwide, which I yes. think is a fantastic yes, idea. Yeah. And I've said to him, I said, look, on a personal note, if there's anything I can do mm-hmm. with regards to the northwest. And inspiring or yeah, helping yeah. any sort of actors or young kids there, I'll come and mentor, be on the audition panel, do whatever. Because I found out after I'd spoke to David last night, actually after we were texting, that uh, there's another uh, thing that I'm supportive of called the acting class, mm-hmm. and they've made a film. So this guy called Tom Stocks made a film about sort of working class actors, and the price of auditioning for drama school 
is, you know, as we've just touched on, very expensive. Mm. And he found out, or they found out, doing research, that he didn't tell me which of the drama schools it was, and I've said this on another podcast before, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I think it's important that a certain top-class drama school yeah. makes around £102,000 a year on audition fees alone mm. and when pressed about mm. where that money goes yeah. there was no answer yeah, yeah 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 you have to ask these questions don't you and- well you do i think you know from all walks of life everybody should be entitled everybody has entitlement to education mm-hmm. and to be asked i mean i know when i was auditioning i think it was around 50 pounds Yes, that's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. I don't know if it's gone up anymore. I, I, I presume so. it has yeah. because it's 2017 and I graduated 20 years ago, so I can't... Do you know, that kind of, having those excessive fees excludes people immediately. Of course it does. And then it, it contributes to this, uh, you know, the kind of roles that are, that, that, that are, uh, are created, you know, and uh, if, if, if it's only a certain kind of... Uh, uh, you know, a person that will go to these schools, of course the roles will then cater to that, you know. It's, well, if there's only a certain amount yeah. of people, a certain type of people getting in, mm-hmm. then it's a certain amount, a certain type of people that come exactly. out. So it needs to be open. And also, I don't want, personally, I don't want Chris, who lives on an estate in Newcastle Mm. who has a real burning passion to feel that he's excluded and he couldn't audition for one of the top drama schools in London. Yeah, yeah. But also, you know, one of the reasons why we started this podcast is you don't have to do that route. Mm. That's not essential. But the drama school... You don't have to. You don't have to do it. Not anymore. But, look, it's a fantastic... I'm not... This yeah, in drama yeah. school at all, I had a fantastic time and I, yeah. I learned great stuff. And I, as I know, a lot of people did. But also, people that there's per, people that have been on this podcast who didn't go down that route, and they're yeah. doing all right too. Yeah. But it's just showing everybody that there is a different route. Mm. But it's such an education in, in, in into this world, isn't it? If you're not from an acting world, yeah, right. Going to drama school is such an eye opener for you. And yeah. what a shame to exclude people. Well, it's not just shame, it's terrible like, it to is exclude terrible. people because they can't afford to go. And it's not just the actual cost of audition, it's the trains to get here. They're so expensive to get on a train yeah. to London. Yeah. You know, and that's why Open Door's great because it will cover the costs of all of this. I know. Unfortunately, it, I mean, right now, it's, I mean, it's great because it's the fact that David started it in the first place is brilliant. But it, it's London. It's London right now. So. You know, it's absolutely brilliant. He wants to make it regional as well. But it is fantastic, and David's doing an amazing job. He's doing an amazing job. This isn't his podcast. This is yours. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's it's very important to me what he's, he's, you know. I I totally agree. And, you know, one of the reasons why we started um, the Sue Shop podcast is to inspire not just inspire but help people and just go look it's all right Mm. if if you want to do this there is a there is a way that you can do it Mm -hmm. don't you don't feel excluded nor should you you're as much entitled to do what you want to do as 
Tom, Dick or Harry down there in Eton or... Totally. It's absolutely fine. You know, think of the stories we want to tell, ultimately. But, every, you, you know. know, nothing should be... The door should not be closed to any yeah. type. No way. Just get in there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Whether you're upper class, middle class, working class, just get in. Everybody. So you got in, you got accepted to Drama Centre. Yeah, I went to Drama Centre. Um... Now, did you... Were you worried about the cost of fees at that point or were you eligible for... I got, like, loans and grants. I got a grant, a big You got grant. a grant from the council? Yeah, I got a big grant and then I got the um, uh, bursary, Laurence Olivier bursary in my final year, which helped loads. Which was given... I got one of them. There were lots of different types of bursaries within the, uh, the Laurence yeah. Olivier bursary and I, I auditioned for it and I got it. That was a massive help. Um... But uh, we couldn't, like, we couldn't work then, you know, um, on weekends because we'd be at drama school. We'd be at the school. I think it's changing now. I think they're um, shortening their day at the school. So allow you to get some sort of job. That's quite good for, for, for people, yeah. And also so you can see London. And also to switch your brain off. Switch your brain oh off. Oh, my God. Go so and you see get, a play. But you get given... Yeah. You're just crammed with so much information. Yeah. It's Just like, go and cook yourself a good dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, learn how to cook. Yeah. Like, we we were so... And I think it's so... It's part of the experience, isn't it? But I do think it's healthier for, for kids to, like, have some time to reflect on what they've just learned that day and go and... Especially if you're not from London, you haven't been able to... See London theatre. What an oh. education! What a way to learn to actually go and see a play. Yeah, well, it's a great way to learn. I never really went to see a play until I left. Well, I did here and there, but not really. Not I until remember I left. seeing plays very late. Really? Very, well, yeah, when I was about fourteen, fifteen. It's, really? It was quite late, really, because I know people that their parents took them to the theatre when they were like six and seven. Yeah. I mean, was that in Blackpool? Uh, no, I think the first play I saw was in Liverpool. It was a Joe Orton play. Oh, wow. And that was the one play, and I went, oh, Joe Orton. And I saw this, in, and it was looped. And it was an incredible play, and I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I mean, at that time, yeah. this amazing sort of, you know, high-level farce, mm. but with massive heart and a, an element of darkness. Mm. And I just got right into it at that point. Did that make you want to be an actor? It's not about me, Lorna. This is not yeah. my podcast. But yeah, no, no, no. I'd wanted to yeah. do that before, mate. To be honest. Yeah. But this was a school trip that I signed up for. Oh wow! So they took you at school. Yeah, wow. they took us at school. That's good. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think they did that with us as well. We went to. Um... But you had great stuff. Sorry, bang the mic. Huh? I'm professional. <laughs> you had great stuff in Birmingham because the Birmingham rep. The rep, yeah. My God, that there was... was so many plays, and the, the the kind of text we were given within the youth theatre. We did this play called The Laramie Project. Do you know it? No. It's written by an American company, the Tectonic Theatre Company, I think it's called, by Moise Kaufman. I think I'm, that's his... Um, forgive me if I've pronounced his name wrong. Um, but he he created this show um, about the, the the hate crime, the murder of Matthew Shepard in Wyoming, um, uh, who was murdered was because he was gay. It's the most awful, terrible thing that happened. And... The theatre company created this show about um, the, the area where he's from, from Wyoming, and yeah. conversations with local people 
around the time of his death. Um, and did, in reaction to his death. Did they record... Was it one of those where they, they recorded... I think they recorded them and then actors then... Um, so uh, is it, was it, was it verbatim? Verbatim. I think so, something. yeah. 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 And uh, there's a film... I think there's, they also made it into a film too. Um, but I remember performing in this play and really realising that theatre could... had this extraordinary power to provoke people to think, you know, to really think. And I, I remember my mum saw it and my little brother, and I really didn't know that it was going to be any good. I remember feeling very um, emotional about making this show, um, but I didn't know if the actual performance would be any good. And I remember they came to see it, and then afterwards they were, like, deeply moved by it. I remember my little, my little brother Joe, he was crying, and I just thought... You know, they'd gone into that show just thinking, oh, I'm going to see Lorna do some acting, <laughs> you know. And um, uh, that, that, I was like, OK, this is, this is for me. This isn't is, that, I want to be involved that, in this. Isn't that incredible that it can do that? They just go in with no uh, preconceptions. Yeah. Yeah, to just go in and, and yeah, it can kind of almost change your life. I mean, really can. Yeah, completely. I still remember when I first saw a David Eldridge play at the Royal Court Which after one? I graduated uh, under a blue un, under 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 a blue sky under the blue sky. Forgive me for the title change. Do, yeah. Have you seen it? I don't know that one. Oh, you should read it. It's fantastic. And what what was it you liked about it? It was a very human story, and I thought it was very untheatrical. Mm. I thought, oh God, that's really. I don't know any of. These types of people, and there's a lot of teachers. I think there were a lot of teachers mm. involved in the play, or certain. There was certainly two characters that were teachers, and I didn't know any of those types of people in my form walk of life mm. at all. But I felt, oh, it's really untheatrical. Yeah, but you... I don't know. There's just something that connected with me. I didn't feel I was. I was spoke at. Yeah, I was spoke to. Yeah. There was like an intimacy with it, right? Yeah, 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 real intimacy. I think that's it, an intimacy. That's what I'm interested in. But sometimes yeah. if I go to the theatre, I want a spectacle. Really? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I want the big... There's so much room for that. Yeah. That is, that's the escapism, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, completely. And we do need that in life. And life is so hard sometimes, right? Like, that's you don't want to sometimes go and... And, and, and actually, what some people need sometimes is just to escape the reality yeah. of day-to-day -day life, which is hard. Yeah. But that isn't actually what I want to do. <laughs> 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 but there is room for that, and God, I respect that when I see it. How did you find Drama Centre, speaking um, of hard? Did you find it hard? Did you find it enjoyable? I found it... I found it like a roller coaster. Like, I loved it and I hated it. <laughs> Did you make good yeah. friends? I made some um, wonderful friends. I actually saw um, two of the actresses I trained with, um, two amazing women, Rosie and Hannah. I saw them last night with actually a Annie, who, my, my drama's uh, acting coach, the acting coach from Drama Centre, who now she teaches at RADA as well now. Um, but, you know, I've made friends for life, though. I think I'm actually closer with people now I've left than when I was there. We were all so, in, you know, we, you're in, 
you're in your own space so much there and you're desperately trying to escape it, but you're discovering yourself and it's all yeah. such a weird thing, such a strange experience. Well, it's a real Cats 22 stuff, isn't it? Because yeah. you want to learn, but you also want to get out and get in mm. the thick of it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, I would go there again, for sure. And how was graduation? Because it's, it's an mm. odd time because you've been stuck together with all your peers for three years and then all of a sudden it, it kind of changes on a pin because yeah. everybody's wants to get the agent and they want to yeah. get out and they want to sort of strut the stuff. Yeah. How did you find that? Um, in a way, I kind of... I'm not a great example because I had a very personal... Um, my grandfather died who was like a father figure to me and it was so I was very much grieving I was in a different space so it's hard for me to separate that experience from the actual experience of third year if you, does that make sense yeah absolutely um but I, one thing I definitely recognize is this almost this obsession with our physical appearance into third year from before we couldn't give a shit before literally like everyone just wore that what they wanted and we were all like Sweaty, sweaty, and gross. But like we, you, we were in our character. We were in the space of our characters. Do you know what I mean? We weren't so hyper aware of our physical of our self. But maybe because um, at that point you were starting to be judged. Yes. By the outside. Yes. Yeah. And this is, you know, the problem sometimes with this industry that for women, especially, that there's this kind of hyper awareness of, you know, your your uh, physical appearance and you know, adhering to this standard, ideal standard of beauty, you know, having yeah. to look a certain way. And uh, I, I, I felt the pressure of that for sure. Um, and, you know, did, that, did, that's a shame, really. Did what was going on in your personal life obviously impacted on your third year? Um, Do you feel it knocked you off kilter in a way? I'm... I don't like to to say for certain, I don't know for certain, but um, I know that I was kind of detached from it. It kind of put things into perspective and I had kind of lost touch with my family because I'd been immersed in this new world, a drama centre. Um, inevitably kind of distanced myself from them just because I literally physically was further away from them, yeah. but emotionally too. And then suddenly lost like the rock in my family. So for sure it will have, yeah. And was this your your mother's father? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Are you okay? It's a funny thing with third year. Did you feel that relationships changed within your year? And Was there anybody that you know, you're very close to, and then you've all, you've got these people coming in to judge you. Mm. Was there a shift? Was there a gear shift within that? Was there anything that you thought, oh, you're not who I thought you were, and now someone's coming to look. Oh, mm. is this how it's going to be when we get out into the big wide world? Does that make sense? Um, as in, like, I kind of discovered a new dynamic to a relationship? Or... Yeah, I think so, um, yeah. Because it does change. Yeah. I actually feel like, um, I got closer with the with the women wow. in my year. 
That's yeah. great. I mean, I, we were a, a small year anyway. There were only five women in the year. Five opposed, act, female as, actors. As opposed to how many guys? Uh, there were ten guys and five women. Right. Yeah. And um, I was always close with with them anyway, but never to believe there's always competition if you're fighting. You know, there's only one great female part because unfortunately most plays, there's only one bloody good female part Sadly, and yeah. most of them are, ma- are men. You know, like, so we would always kind of inevitably have this kind of a competition. But um, I was so lucky. I really was so lucky to have such kind of kind, talented women in my year. And now we've just got a kind of a different relationship entirely. Do you feel it's grown? Yeah, for sure. My closest friend, Anna, she's a Mexican actress. She actually lives back in Mexico now. She's doing a show in New York at the moment. Um and she'll, like, send me stuff she's writing and I'll send her stuff she's writing. And she's a huge support for me. Yet she's on the other... You know, she's in Mexico. I know it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't just goes matter. to show it doesn't matter where doesn't you are in the matter. world. Support, support yeah. and friend... Uh, any relationship... Yeah. You have to... Yeah, I have to look after it and nurture it. And Nadia, like, she's having a baby. My friend Nadia, she's a wonderful um, Argentinian, Peruvian, Israeli actress. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she's having a baby now. Um, Like, you know, you do find your people in that space. There are people I'm super close with from that. It's so incredible that so young you did find your people. Yeah. Because, you know, I speak to so many people of all different ages and a, a very very close friend of mine who is in his 50s you know you know we were talking not so long ago about about only learning in the past you know five or six years really? about finding your people i think it's such an incredible mm. phrase and so important mm. but you're always fine you're always you can find um, an unexpected kind of connection with someone right? yeah. at any stage in your yeah. life. No, it's really, really lovely. Are we all right? Oh, no, I'm all <laughs> right. That is uh, a tea interlude from producer Griff's hand, more tea, Vicar. <laughs> um, when you graduated and you had... You get that moment when people are getting their agents... Mm. And did you get an agent straight away? I, I did, well, I had an unusual experience, I, I think. Um, I had uh, I did a show. I did uh, two showings quite early on in third year. Um, a, like a, a scenario sketch, which is sp- very specific to this drama centre training. It's called Character Analysis. Have you heard of it? I haven't. Go on, tell me what it's about. It's... Um, it's the work of Yat Malgram, a guy, the, the guy who set up John. I'm Center. aware of him, yeah. You were aware yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's an extension of Laban's work on movement uh, analysis. Yeah. So this is like a movement psychology, so it explores like the inner state of a character and the outer state. So, you know, you will create your own characters and identify a very specific inner motivational inner state and your outer state which is often there's a huge dichotomy between the two which is what's interesting right so um we created our own characters based on this class that we all went through for three years which was one of my favorite classes because we could write right you know we come up with our own characters and i played dolly miss dolly james <laughs> from cabri village birmingham He <laughs> <laughs> was a chocolate girl but not like your usual chocolate girl you know she was um a, a, a funny old one, a 
funny character. Um, and uh, I, I did that, you know, I, I had one of my, had her, you know, the sketch that I'd written for her. Um, and I showed it in the showcase thing that we did. And I got interest, a lot of interest from that, from agents. And then I did another play, The Misanthrope Molière, and yeah. a lot of interest from that as well. So I had actually this crazy amount of interest, Craig, um, from lots of different agents, and I met lots of different ones, and everyone's like, what the hell? You know, and I was just like, I didn't really know what was going on because I knew my granddad was super ill. Like, yeah. he was very, very, very ill at that time. But I was kind of in denial as well of, you know... With it, um, Were you throwing yourself into the drama centre yes, stuff to yeah, try and block yeah. out the personal totally. stuff? Totally, yeah. yeah, completely. And then we did our... Then he passed away, and then we did our... Um, sh- a showing or showcase yeah. to, to, to you know where you do like two pieces and all the agents and they're all there yeah and, like all of the pe- like a lot of the pe- the agents I'd met and I was like hang on a minute you know I'm not ready to decide and playing it cool and everything they all came to see that and I think I just like if I'm honest it's one of those things where you know I can't be sure because I was literally kind of um like I call it detachment, separate like a, a, a it's a state I think sometimes people go into, but um, I detached completely and I, you know, maybe I just was shit, <laughs> but I didn't like I don't know what happened, but it I didn't basically I didn't get any interest from this showcase, so I'd had this ridiculous amount of interest um, before from these other two shows, yeah, and then did my showcase thinking oh, I'd be a whatever just do this thing like got it sorted out, I can have my pick. And then I didn't. Um, How did that feel at that time? Did... I couldn't care less, Craig. Because you were, yeah. you, because you were detached. I was detached. And the priorities yeah. were different. Yes, I, yeah. I, um, I just went back to Birmingham and I was with my family. And... Is this after you graduated? No, you went... no, this was just after my granddad died and that was all happened around the same time. You know, it's very easy to say, oh, it's because I was detached and because I was going through a personal thing. Maybe it just wasn't great that day or whatever or they just didn't vibe me and you know I'm not gonna overanalyze it too much but um that was the situation with agents and then we did no, another but also at the end of the day yeah you can do all this but you know nothing's more important than family exactly <laughs> you know it doesn't matter yeah. what it is I remember a lovely um director Lorne um, Campbell, he's an artistic director of Northern Stage. Uh, he he was one of our tutors at the time, and he said to me, he was one of the only ones who said it, because I think there's this obsession that theatre is everything, you know, sometimes within these schools, like there's no life outside it. He just took me aside and he was like, some things, Lorna, are more in, in life are more important than theatre, than, than acting. And I was like, yeah, no. He was like, go to Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> so I left. But of course, um, I mean, you know, I spoke about this before, but we're all observers. We're all yeah. learning from family and friends and other people. If we're not in with real people, then how are we supposed to learn? Oh, my God. You're, as an actor, you reflect life. You Well, that's what we, you, what we hope to do. That's well, what we want to do, right? don't we? That's what we're, yeah. we're striving for. But if you don't know the life you're, you're reflecting or you're out of touch with it, it's then, not, not going to be true. It's not going to be of honest. Of course, you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> 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 you know, so... Um, so you went to Birmingham? So, yeah, um, 
I went to Birmingham and then, you know, I came back and it was uh, hard to come back. But, uh, like I said, had a good te- look, good uh, support network around me. Well, did you get an agent then? And then I did, yeah. I, I did a couple more shows and um, got in touch with people who, who had shown interest before, but new, but actually, like, some new agents as well that had kind of seen me. Um, and I got an agent from... Um, I did... I did a show, um, The Criminals, Jose Triana, which yeah. I think a Cuban playwright. Um, and, yeah, I got an agent. I got an agent before grad- just before graduating, yeah, yeah. And I know, you know, every drama school is similar and different, you know, in equal measures. With Drama Centre, do they advise you to connect with somebody who is in the business to be a mentor? Do they? Is that something they that they do. they do? They do. So they all they they reminded us. They told us this in second year. Like, have your eye on someone you really like, a kind of someone who inspires you yeah. and you like their their work. Um, ideally, someone who's gone to drama centre. Um, and then in third year, they you know you, you, the idea is you meet that person and you establish a kind of professional relationship with them throughout that third year. Um, uh, and uh, there was only one actor in my mind, and that was Susan, Susan Lynch. You know her a little uh, bit. I'm, I'm, aware, <laughs> I'm aware of her work. Um, and, yeah, I wrote to, I wrote to her. Um, I'd seen Nora, and I just... just I mean, this, it's so hard to even describe, like, her work. Do you know what I mean? Like, she's such an extraordinary actor. She is, but ne- let's not wax um, lyrical. About her. Oh my god, I could sit here for hours. How cringe. We haven't got we haven't got <laughs> we haven't got time. We'll I'm do a Susan in. Lynch special podcast, Lorna. Um I'll be her agent. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I wrote to her anyway, we met up in Holloway Road and she was pregnant with Hardy with um I'm aware of yeah. him too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she said to me, This is perfect timing because I'm gonna be a mummy and I'll be your acting mummy. And she has been. She has, yeah. And more. <laughs> She's just been brilliant for me. Just very on a personal level, so much. Yeah. And how have you dealt with the? You see, the thing is, at drama school, the positivity is so strong. <laughs> I feel. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Even though there's a real sort of breakdown and build up mentality the positivity's mm. there because you're all peers together and you just want to get it done you want to learn you want to get yeah. out there and sometimes it, it it just doesn't go that way after yeah. you graduate how have you dealt with the the, the darker times yeah. and the if you've had the disillusionment i suppose if there has been yeah that. yeah um there is this idea you're gonna it's gonna be easy and you're gonna have work all the time. Yeah. There's no um there was never any um apart from the character analysis classes, we did, we weren't really encouraged to think about creating work ourselves. And now literally everyone in my year, we're creating our own work, all yeah. of us in different ways. We're storytelling still, but in different ways, you know. Yeah. Um whether that's directing, writing, producing, acting, sing, you know, musician as a musician or whatever. Um, but I, uh, 
you know, I've had some real highs and lows, Craig. And I think um, part of that, part of the lows has... I mean, it's very... I think it's important to separate just a kind of... Um, you know, a very natural feeling of sadness, um, you know, and, and a low feeling with a kind of... Um, sadness. A, and a depression and more of a, like, you know, a chemical imbalance in your... Do you know what I mean? Um, in, a, in a way, what do you mean? A, a sadness of not succeeding well, in a you, way you want? Or... Sometimes in, in life you, you don't... I think this idea that we're constantly happy is... Uh, well, that's, that's is, a myth. It's a myth, yeah. right? I'm not like. Although I, I do think I was talking to the list of somebody yeah. the day going, look, we've got to wake up and uh, in fact it was I know who it was it was Miranda Sawyer, mm. and I was listening to her and she was going, do you know what today I'm going to wake up I am going to be happy, yeah I'm going to make that decision yes. and I'm going to be happy, yeah yeah, and in a way, and I've worked with I've met and worked with a lot of people and I go oh, that must take a lot of effort for you to be this miserable mm. every day. Isn't it much easier yeah, to try and yeah, be happy yeah. with the best will in the world? And trust me, I have dark times and dark days mm. and it's really hard. You have to pick yourself up and go, you know what, I say I'm going to be happy for a bit. For sure. It, yeah. it is a slightly easier road. For sure. But there, there is a, you know, there is, like my sister, I'm sure she won't mind me saying, but she has like a lot of mental health struggles. Um, she has bipolar. I'm sure she won't mind me saying that. And she... There's, you know, it's it's out of her control. Yeah, you know? of course. She has no control over that. Um, and she's so aware of the impact it has on other people. It's not at all selfish, you know? Like, this, I, I used to... I didn't understand depression until I experienced it. I kind of felt like, sort yourself out. You know, how terrible is that? I felt like, sort yourself out, you know? Like, you have this idea that she had some kind of control over it. And that is so detriment that is so bad for the people who are experiencing that yeah and so i'm what i'm trying to do here is separate that kind of uh clinical that kind of um imbalance there that people have um and these feelings of sadness where you can go hey get yourself together this yeah. is just a natural this i'm feeling a bit low today i need to exercise i need to be proactive and do something about it do you see what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. um and uh Oh God! If there's a, if, know, God, if there's a chemical, if do you know what I mean? If there's like an imbalance, a, then God, it's so much, it's so easy for me to go. Do you know what? I'm going to try and be happy today. Sometimes yeah. you just don't want to do. You don't want to do that, and, and, and sometimes you cannot. Yes, I think it's mentally so or physically you can't do it. Yeah. Of course, it's so important. Sure. Oh my God! Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I wasn't meaning. No, I know, but you know, I think it, generally with this conversation, we do need to be clear about what we talk about. This feeling Absolutely. of sadness, yeah. which where you can go, these are the things that I can do. I mean, you can always do something. My, my sister can still do something. You know, but it's uh, and she is a wonderful. Like she, she helps herself so much, and I'm so proud of her. She she's doing a PhD. She has a little boy. Wow. You know, I saw her the birth of my nephew Idris. Um, she's an amazing woman. Um, but also, but it's I, very easy uh, for someone to say, "Oh, I'm a bit down. I'm depressed." Well, yes. actually. You're not, because I know two or three people who are very close to me in my life who really are, yes, exactly. and they have no control exactly, over that. Exactly, Craig, and that's the difference I'm talking about. Yeah. And and with that feeling, this other feeling, there is you have the power to, to do something about it. Of course. Um, 
And I think exercise is a huge part of that. It's been spoken about. I I know about that, but it's been spoken about on this very podcast more than once. Exercise Exercise is such a key thing. Totally. That you can... Well, first of all, you just you you, you will lift your mood. Your, your, um, as hard as it is to go out yeah, and actually yeah. do that, after that forty-five mm. minutes, that hour, however long you do, mm. something releases and it is fantastic. It's fantastic, and you find that's like today. I did like, I did like, an- <laughs> here we go. I did like an hour of I I danced. Do you know what I mean? I danced. I feel so good when I dance. I did like an hour of. Um, Samba, like Did, yeah. yeah, salsa, like I just don't. Like, I could see you doing do you know that. What I mean, like, yeah. and I feel so much better for it. But if I don't listen to music or dance for a couple of days, I'm like, okay, I don't feel great. I don't feel right. And that's for me. That's what I I need to keep. Because we all, you know, we spoke about finding our people. We all need to find our thing. Yes. That, yeah. that lifts us out of mm. whatever. If we're stuck, yes. we need someone to help us out. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I have a kind of, um, I think it's relevant because we're talking about mental health here. So I will, so I will be, I want to talk about it. Um, I had thyroid cancer um, in 2015 and my relationship with mental health since thyroid cancer is very complex. And I think it is for so many people who have survived a kind of life-threatening disease or gone through a life-threatening, um, uh, you know, experience, whether it's a disease or an experience, that you that that this there's, there is this general idea that you are um, well, there's high there's an initial high people often get, um, and you're often seen as this inspirational figure, right? That yeah. you have to kind of adhere to this kind of image of someone who's super inspirational. And most of the time I feel I am kind of proactive and I have a a new lease for life. But um, from conversations I'm having with people who have experienced the same thing as me, that there's huge... There's feeling other complex feelings as well um, and anxiety and survivor's guilt and uh, a whole range of other emotions and we do feel this pressure to kind of be this um do you know what i mean right on and and the very fact i'm saying this brings me huge guilt for saying this because i'm like well i've survived why am i complaining yeah but but it's a very real feeling yeah i'm not i'm Um, sure and i'm actually you know I, i wrote this play soon after this um i got my all clear because i was on this mental high like super super high uh, and and you just went. I need to be creative and let. Yeah, this out. I need to be creative. I'm on this high. So is this the one? Is this the one woman yeah. show? Yeah, yeah, you know about yeah. I only I, I've only heard through the grapevine. The great <laughs> the grapevine being yeah. called my wife. Yeah. So I, I wrote this play and I, it it was super inspirational, um, and it was true to my experience at that time. Um, but then I crashed because inevitably, if you have a euphoric high. Uh, well, for me anyway, I couldn't sustain it, and I crashed. I, think, I, I don't think <laughs> yeah. anybody could. I mean, with massive highs come extreme lows. Extreme lows, and I had an extreme low, um, which I'm totally out of now. Uh, and I started to feel, and I'd been speaking to people who who were uh, who had gone through thyroid cancer. This is the kind of cancer I had specifically, and they w- were telling me about these other feelings they felt. 
like survivor's guilt, this feeling of needing to needing to make the most of every day. And if you don't, if you have a day where you don't make the most of it, you're unworthy of, you know, these very complex feelings. Yeah. And then they're difficult feelings. Yeah, I, of course. I, but but I just totally ignored them because they weren't what they weren't the feelings I was experiencing at the time. So. Uh, yeah, I read my play again. <laughs> I read it and I was like, uh, like this is actually irresponsible of me to make this play because I'm supposed to be represent, you know, it's a if I'm the person who's going to write about this feeling, about this experience and most people are saying it's so much more complex than just like I'm a survivor, I'm going to do a marathon, I'm going to do this and everything's great and I've survived. Uh, it's actually doing a great disservice to those people. So yeah, but um, I rewrote it. I, I hope I don't. You don't mind me saying that what you were writing about was your personal journey. Mm. It wasn't about anybody else. But it was specific to that time, and I represented it as an entire kind of uh, collective experience. Do okay. You see what I mean? Okay, I get. I, I get was, your point. I yeah. see what you mean. Like we all, like as an individual, we have a story we're telling. But at the, I'm supposed to be representing a group of people here. Okay, right? I'm with you. Um, and if not many people are doing that, I have a responsibility there, so I rewrote it. Um, and how did you feel after the rewrite? I felt like it was honest. Um, and I met with Birmingham Rep last week to talk about it and um, we'll see like what where it goes but I want it to be like for sure like life affirming and hopeful um, well it can only be that because it it's come from it, it can, it's come yeah. from a place of truth it's come from you so it can only, it can be, only that be that yeah because yeah. it's honest so um, and I've met some wonderful people through it through the Butterfly Thyroid Cancer Trust um and through Get Ahead Charity, I ran a marathon for them when I was in my euphoric high <laughs> <laughs> with my super crazy energy, which I have to, you know, I've still got it. It's kind of more, um, it's calmer now. It's steady. Comes in waves. It comes in waves. Yeah. I have to slow down sometimes and say, uh, uh, you know, uh, give yourself a break. I also physically feel kind of, because I have less thyroxine, because I have half a thyroid. I have less thyroxine in this um, hormone which regulates... Uh, you know, you're, so many things you need it to function. Basically, yeah. I have half the thyroid, so half the thyroxine. Well, it's supposed to kind of compensate for the other side, but inevitably it's a little low, and I'm not taking the thyroxine drug at the moment. So I physically get tired sometimes more than usual, but I have this like uber energy, <laughs> so it doesn't always work out. <laughs> but you, you you manage it, and generally I'm I my whole outlook on life is different now. And do you feel as much as you went into it loving the acting side, mm. do you feel you've, you're slightly moving away from that because you're opening up with writing and I know that you've just mm. produced your first film. Mm-hmm. Or, sure. or do you yeah. feel that acting is something that you still would like to pursue more than what you've been allowed to? I think it will always be a part of me. It's like, I know it sounds really cringy, but it's actually, it's like, it's within me. It doesn't sound cringy at all. um, It's within me and it will always be. But I find the passivity of being an actress or an actor at the moment very um, difficult. And um, I... 
find immense joy in writing and producing and storytelling in another way. Because you well. need, because you have the need to be creative, yes. and you have to have that outlet. Yeah, I don't. Absolutely. Sorry, that sounds like I'm putting words in your mouth, but you I, have do you to know have what I mean? That outlet. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's immensely fulfilling. Absolutely. But, but you're in a good place. Today, <laughs> I'm in a good place. I think part of it is recognizing that you do have ups and downs, you know, and that's all right to have ups and downs. But I'm. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Lorna, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> And there we go. Another episode down. Um, I loved, I, I love sitting down with Lorna. It doesn't happen a lot. Certainly not in this context, this one-on-one. Um, and I know that she was, she was slightly worried a couple of days after we recorded it, I think. I mean, I know she enjoyed it, but I think she was worried that she got a little bit upset um, I went back and listened to the episode and so did somebody who's very close to her as well. And I was really, really proud of her. She's so honest and open. And yeah, Lorna, if you're listening, I love you to bits and I'm thrilled that you came on and I know that everybody who listened to that episode um, is going to love it. I hope it touched a chord with you. Um, well that's it next week is episode 22 is it our last one before Christmas next week no it's not producer Chris no no it's not anyway episode 22 next week remember we are at two shot pod on Twitter Instagram Facebook maybe you want to drop us a line uh, it's two shot pod at gmail.com yeah, drop us an email if you want. Also, hit subscribe. Yeah, if you hit subscribe, you'll get the episodes into your podcast feed wherever you get your podcast every week. And also, if you would rate and review us, that would be so nice. I'm not one for chart position, but I am saying we've been number one quite a few times, and it puts a smile on producer Griff's face. So don't do it for me, do it for Griff. Thank you so much for downloading, joining us here. I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. He's got a little tear in his eye. Cheer him up. I'll see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs>